0: Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the BM Cast. not a podcast that releases its two longest and most winding episodes in the absence of its co-host, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined once again by the sundering titan herself, Emma. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, long time no see, I guess. I can see you, <laughs> but, they, but everyone else can't see me, but hello, I'm back. Um, it's good to mm-hmm. be back. Uh, before I begin I just want to give a big shout out to The Budget Emma uh, Angelo Guerrero the Jess guy who stepped in for a few weeks while I was off so it's much appreciated um, hopefully it wasn't too much of a handful mm-hmm. well, like, we
0: managed yeah. you
1: know um, so I've been away because I've been busy with content and I've also wanted to take some mm. time out burnout exists burnout's a thing and it's just a reminder just to say just to take a break once in a while it's good to just pull on the brakes and just chill out and try and not you know stress out and be mm. tired However, I'm feeling much more refreshed and raring to go again. During my time off, I've spent some time with family because my brother's back in the UK, so before he was in North Carolina in America. Mm -hmm. Um, So spending time with him and my niece, so I'm being that, you know, cool but bad influencing aunt that (laughs) you you tend to be. I've also got back into Warhammer a little bit as well because I've got the room to to paint models and stuff again. So I've been picking that up as a way just to chill out and... Not do something magic related, which is kind of yeah. nice just to just to rotate that, you know. Otherwise, I've been catching up on TV. So I've been watching Ted Lasso, which is a great show. I recommend it uh, if you haven't watched it already. And unsurprisingly, I'm still binging on The Simpsons because, you know, have you yeah. met me? Um, in terms of magic, events are starting to fire again at my LGS. Um, so I've been going to like f yes. again. They've been really good, like my LGS is really good, landing games. They've been enforcing masks, making sure you're double vaccinated, mm. um, and they've reduced the attend- like how many people can attend these events just to make sure people can move around. So they're very, very accommodating. Hand sanitizer everywhere. I feel super comfortable See. going, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attend. So with that, last week I played my first modern FNM in about 18 months, um, and I played Bono Green Tron. So typically when I play my first round in this FNM, I play the Mirror. Mm-hmm. So I, I play against Monogreen Green Tron, which is great. And then after that, I played, like, another tron- like another mirror, and then I played against, like, Jund, which was the most boomer Jund deck I've ever seen. So it was just, like, Bob's Goise, like, Rob Alexander Signs Shockland, you know, just the the, the proper rejuke traditional Jund, right? Um, it was a rough showing because I wasn't anticipating two mirror matches at the FNM, but it was quite good. It was just good to see people yeah. again and just kind of get used to playing magic with my hands, if that makes mm. sense, like, shuffling cards and that kind of thing. So coming up for me in terms of Magic, I'm looking to play Legacy for the first time oh, in four years because I'm borrowing a deck mm-hmm. off a friend because they're trying to fire up Legacy in the area again. Um, so I'm playing Elves, which I haven't played in a long time, so that's going to be mm. fun to do. Um, and then I'm going to be playing FNM on Friday and hopefully playing Tron and probably going to pack some World just to anticipate the Mirror, mm. I guess. Um, how about you? What's, what's new with you?
0: Um, not a lot, not a lot. I've been all right. Um, this week... I had a new article out, it says tutors in budget commander decks and how best to use them. I go through a number of different types, I talk about the best ones on a budget and different ones for different colours and that sorts of stuff. So that's over on Car Kingdom now if you want to go and take a read after the show. I, otherwise in Magic, have been playing an awful lot of commander. Like, if you see me on Twitter, I'm throwing up regularly for mutuals to reach out and play games with me all day, every day (laughs) now. at the minute i've taken my sir Conrad deck and upgraded it with some better mana production so i've got like a crypt of Academium, i've got like a manascape refractor to copy those kind of things and that sorts of stuff so it feels much stronger now it feels really really good and um, the only thing i think i'm missing in terms of the mana base it could technically do with the nyctos but it's not necessary and i could also do it getting a cabal coffers soon so We'll see how yeah. that goes. Uh, to make up for increasing the power in one of my decks, though, I had to put together a lower-powered list because sometimes people just want to play lower-powered stuff, you know? So I threw together Ranar the Everwatchful. It's a foretell and flicker deck with actually no infinite combos. Well, technically not true. It can go infinite with, like, Paragon Drake and Archaeomancer, and, like, a ghostly flicker, but there's no way yeah. to spend the infinite mana and there's, like, no infinite ETB trigger thing. So it's just there to just be, like... If I had a combo here, you'd all be dead. But you're not, so the game continues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I just threw together a quick God Eternal Oketra value slash tokens deck. You know, cast creatures yes. that bounce them back to their hands and that sorts of stuff. Um, Love Oketra. Both of which are pretty fun to play. So I'm happy to have them now for more chill games. And outside of magic, I have been playing Final Fantasy 14 mostly. Um, I'm still a sprout. I haven't paid for it yet, so... Um, at peak times it's been getting uh frustrating to try and log in but other than that Mm. it's been good and i'm also casually playing through celeste again which i don't think anyone's Mm. ever said because it can be very frustrating at times so you know i use the term casually playing through very lightly like i play it properly for like half an hour and then i get frustrated and stop so (laughs) I
1: heard good things about Celeste, but I've never played it's it. It's very one of those good. I, keep, I keep, need, keep meaning to pick it up, and then I forget about it. And then, like now, you're talking about mm-hmm. it. I'm like, oh, I should pick it up again, and I'll probably forget about it again. But no, it does sound quite good. I should pick it up at some point.
0: Yeah, if you like platforming games at all, it is probably one of the best ever made. I would say. That's a claim. Yeah. And Emma, have we got any housekeeping this week?
1: We do have some housekeeping this week, so we have a new member of the Cheering Fanatics tier on our Patreon, Evil Vanilla Glaze, which is a great name by the way. Nice. Um, so thank you very much for your support and thank you to everyone who continued to support the Patreon over patreon.com slash the BMCast.
0: Yeah. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and decklists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. Alright, so before we jump into the main bulk of the episode, Emma, your first week back in a little while now, it's your turn, card of the week, what have you got for me?
1: Uh, I've got a good one, you like this one I believe, and that is Thieving Skydiver, so for one generic and a blue you get a Merfolk Rogue, Mm -hmm. Um, it is a 2-1 and it has Kicker X, Um, so X can't be 0 in this instance, but it does have flying. Uh, when Thieving Skydiver enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, gain control of target artifact with converted mana value, X or less. If the artifact's an equipment, you may attach it to Thieving Skydiver. Um, this seems really great in like Commander especially mm-hmm. because it can just steal mana crypts, Sol Arcane Signets. Um, yes, you're paying the one to steal the mana crypt, but more importantly, your opponent doesn't have the mana crypt and it just stops them from like ramping up. Mm-hmm. It is a permanent steel effect as well, unless the artifact in question is destroyed or bounced. So it's just a really good way just yeah. to use it politically to be like, oh, yeah, I can get rid of this, you know, my consent letters or I can get rid of this, you know, one of the, the sort of fire and ice or something like that. But yeah, also more importantly, it's a playable Merfolk and they're hard to come by. <laughs> and it's like a dollar it's a dollar fifty since Endercar the Rising. Yeah. Um it is standard legal, it's gonna be standard legal for a while, but I always like this one in Commander and like in vintage cubes just because everyone just plays artifacts because they go in every deck pretty much. It's yeah.
0: easy to splash. I actually have a funny little story about Thieving Skydiver. I from this week, I have this in my s e r and Arden Azorius Affinity equipment deck in Commander. Yeah. And my favorite play with it is to steal a skull clamp, because then it becomes three mana divination that gives you a skull clamp and removes a skull clamp, basically. Nice. Yeah, (laughs) it's really good. That's my favorite play. Like, it's all well and good to like steal a soul ring or whatever, but steal a skull clamp wherever possible because it automatically equips, draws you two cards. They no longer have a skull clamp and you do. That is the best three mana interaction I've ever found with it it's fantastic
1: also no if you equip it with a colossus hammer it will lose flying yes because colossus hammer has a second ability which a lot of people tend to forget but card's great it seems really good in commander mm-hmm. it just seems good in like just if you like artifact heavy decks you can just steal stuff and who doesn't love stealing stuff in commander
0: that's it alrighty so we are talking about mono green tron this week Emma
1: you can tell I'm back
0: <laughs> <aren't you? laughs> <laughs> alright so for those of us that don't know Emma, tell us about Monogreen Tron. What does it do? How does it do it? What kind of archetype is it?
1: So Monogreen Tron has been around since Extended, Mm -hmm. which is about 10 plus years ago. That's the format before Modern became a thing. This is how long ago we're talking. Um, So Tron is a ramp big mana deck. And when I talk about ramp big mana, it's basically um, you're ramping lands into playing threats ahead of the curve, Mm -hmm. um, ahead of schedule. So what does it do? So Monogreen Tron, or can be known as Urza less commonly now, but it, that name does get thrown around once in a while. It runs all the three Urza lands. Uh, so you've got Urza's Power Plant, Urza's Mine, and Urza's Tower. These three combined make a lot of mana. You make seven mana together, if they're all in play. Mm-hmm. Often you would use this these lands to cast something like a Khan Liberated, which is seven mana, so you can play it on turn three, which is a very powerful thing to do. Um, Khan can exile threats, you can remove cards from hands, that kind of thing. It's very, very powerful. Um, also, a fun fact, the reason it's called Tron is to reference the 80s cartoon called Voltron, mm-hmm. where seven giant robot cats like get together and assemble Voltron, uh, which is like an ultimate fighting machine, which is kind of cool also there are other tron decks like you you played mono blue tron for example for quite a while um we did a modern highlights on eldrazi tron quite a while ago Mm. but the content's still relevant and if you want if you want to play the spaghetti sister variant of Mono Green tron which is just using eldrazi and chalice of the voids that kind of thing we did cover that back in episode 24 so check it out if you just want to see the different flavors of tron available yep so how does Tron do Tron things? Well, the goal is, so your main goal is to assemble these three Tron lands, uh, the power plant, the mine, and the tower. Um, you want to do it as soon as possible so you can cast these threats, um, such as Khan Ulamog the Caesar's Hunger is a really good one to play on turn four if you have two Urza's towers out. The way it gets these lands is through stuff like cantrips and ways to search for lands. Um, so you run stuff like Sylvan Scry is a really good example. So you this is why you run the green so you can fetch for your tron lands. Um you also have Expedition Map as well because that mm-hmm. gets you any land out of your deck and you can use that to assemble tron. Um with that mono green tron is a really really good spot at the moment since it goes a lot it goes over a lot of the decks that are at the top at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's very very resilient. It's been around for 10 plus years. No matter how much hate comes around it always bounces back. And you've got a you even with modern horizons 2 release you have a more diverse sideboard thanks to yavimaya Cradler growth which just gives all your tron lands turns your tron lands into forests, so you can run much more powerful sideboard cards in green mm-hmm. um, even for a beginner modern deck tron is a really good starting point because it teaches you how to mulligan properly gets you in the rhythm of what's the most powerful thing i can do yeah. you know there's a lot of repetition to it but that's the strength of the deck and it's just allowing you to do the most powerful thing possible and playing through that hate is really interesting for mm-hmm. me because it's all about timing and um, plus double masters came out last year and it's made the deck incredibly affordable with stuff like worm coils khan's and the tron lands yeah. all being reprinted i know a lot of people hate it because it's like the quote-unquote boogeyman of the format but it is quite powerful if you just want something straightforward and powerful it's a really good starting point i think for modern if you're new to the format
0: yeah yeah like i I'm not a Tron player, generally speaking, but there have been times where I've picked up Tron and just had a bit of fun for a couple of games with it. Like it yeah. it's very it's one of those decks that's really easy to pick up, but it's hard to master. Yes. You know, because like you said, it's it's less in the nuance plays and it's more in the you know choosing the right hand or choosing what order in which to crack stars and all that sorts of stuff you know
1: yeah so yeah with tron like if you keep a bad hand you you can lose the game from a bad mulligan without even Mm. starting like it can be pretty brutal but we'll get into the mulligan later on
0: yeah so for anyone that is on the patreon we will have a link to Emma's Monogreen Tron for Modern on a budget article from when she was back at TCG Player. We also have a couple of deck lists. There's a deck list here from the Modern Challenge recently that went six and one. There's a budget mono green Tron list that Emma threw together. And there's also Emma's personal list of Monogreen Tron here. So if you wanna check those out, they're over on the Patreon. Yeah,
1: yep, that's the one. the The last one is the one I'm playing currently. That's when I'm jamming at F and stuff at the moment. Because um, there's, there's a lot you can do with the deck at the moment. So yeah. it gives you a good starting point.
0: For sure. So, with that, Emma, take us through some of the key cards. We've already talked about the Urzalans, and you talked a little bit about Karn. What about some of the other parts? Like, once we start getting into the, the rest of the deck. What are the key bits?
1: So less of the namesake stuff. So I did mention it briefly earlier. So Sylvan Scrying and Expedition Map are quite important because they will most likely get you your third Tron Land Mm. because often you will keep like two different Tron Lands and like a map or a Scrying. Um, And then you can just get it on your third turn. And often Scrying takes a bit more work because obviously you need Chromatic Sphere and Chromatic Scar to get the green. Mm um but these are very important because a lot of the time you're not just going to have natural tron in hand as much as people say you will a lot of the time you're going to have two out of the three so having these is very very important and lastly is a uh, a new a new i say newish edition it's been a couple of years but khan the great creator has really opened up how tron how tron plays because mm. basically you play with a 70 card deck now because you have this this wishboard you have this cyborg which you can just bring in against uh, certain decks that perhaps you have a bad matchup against or you just want to improve your win rate on in your game one also the one side of stony silence is pretty relevant at times as well um but yeah it's just a really versatile cheap sort of um way just to get artifacts from your sideboard and just carry on your game plan
0: good stuff and when it comes to cards to be aware of so what kind of cards would you be concerned seeing on the other side of the table
1: As Tron emphasises a lot on the Tron lands to carry out its game plan, there's a lot of land destruction or land hate that can really, really uh, stifle your game plan. Mm. So we're thinking of stuff like Blood Moon, Pillage, Assassin's Trophy, Ghost Quarter, Field of Ruin. Um, Anything that can target your lands can really, really hemorrhage your game plan. Um, You really need to lean on lands to get you there. And it is important to play around land destruction if you anticipate it. So if you know if a pillage is coming... You may want to sandbag your Tron lands so they ha- they hit they have to hit something else, or you wait until you have two of each Tron land. So if they remove one, you still have Tron. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that can be difficult. Um, obviously, it's it's hard to play around it when you don't know what all the cards do. But you have to be you have to be careful at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got like art like generic sort of artifact hate, which is quite good against Tron. So we're talking to stuff about damping sphere and void mirror. Often you see damping sphere more regularly than void mm-hmm. mirror at the moment. Um, but it's still quite good against you colorless land hoses are very common in the format Um, so this is where having stuff like wilt or force of vigor in your sideboard is really good because after game one they're going to side these in against you so you need to counteract that and just bring in your wilts or your force of vigors or even your like nature's claims any like artifact removal just so you can carry on with your game plan sometimes play opponents will be um but like oh here's a damping sphere here's a blood moon i've won the game not necessarily true because you can cast an Ugin on turn 8 and it might just still be enough because your card quality is so high. Um, your threat density is so good. Mm. You can kind of just get there. Um, it's how your opponent applies the pressure after that land hate will determine yeah. whether you win the game or not. It's just something to keep in mind because a lot of people go, I'll play Blood Moon. I've won. And it's like, nah. Hmm. I can just play this card for turn seven, on turn 7 and exile this Blood Moon. Yeah,
0: that's Let's it. go.
1: And then lastly, you need to play around counter magic. So since Modern Horizons 1, we've had Force of Negation, which is a free counter spell, yeah. um, which does hit a lot of your Khan Liberators, hits your Ugans, can hit your Khan the Great Creators. So it does so playing around these does take time because it's hard to read the, what sort of counter magic they have. Mm. Uh, for non-force of uh, force of negation counters, uh, so you know the more generic sort of counter spells, you do have Ulamog the Seeker's of Hunger, which does get around the counter. Because it is a cast trigger, so even if you're playing ten mana, it gets counted, You can still blow up. You can still exile like, some permanence. Yeah. Since Force and Negation was printed, it has been a bit more difficult because it's you know you can be tapped out and still counter a can. Mm. Um, it's just you've got to be a wise to that, but that takes a little bit of time.
0: Good stuff. So when it comes to good matchups, it's generally speaking anything that is smaller than Tron which is quite a lot.
1: Yep, so the first one comes to mind is your generic sort of mid-range strategy, so stuff like Jund. You can go over them quite easily since your opponent pretty much has to 2-for-1 your threats, mm. um, and your card quality is just simply higher than theirs. Um, so you can play a Kahn. They have to spend a lot of resources to remove that Kahn. You can play a new game, wipe the board. They need to put more into it. And then you got stuff like colour permanent heavy strategy. So I'm talking stuff like Stoneblade and Humans, mm. stuff that is like very creature focused coloured decks. Stuff like Ugin the Spirit Dragon, Oblivion Stone, Orders Dust will all get you there. Even if you take a lot of damage early on, you can pretty much leverage it with just the so is Dust on turn 3 and then take over the game. Um, you just have so many ways to clear the board in your main board and your sideboard as well because you should probably you should run a uh, Oblivion Stone in the sideboard so you can get it with mm-hmm. Khan and and pop it off. Yep. Um, and then the I I always find the Amulet Titans matchup to be quite good because you know they have no way to disrupt your mana; mm. they're trying to do their own thing. Um, and then you have cards like Sundering Titan, which is really cute against a dry of Elysian Grove. Because you can just blow up a load of their lands. Mm. You've got removal in your sideboard to deal with the Primeval Titan. And like the Khan and Ugin kind of gets you there as well. Because, the, again, all their permanents are coloured. Yeah. So it gets you there. It's a little slower. You're not looking to Khan off quite as quite as uh, aggressively. But you just want to keep that ball clear and then get the Sundering Khan and blow
0: up a load of lands. Mm. That's the goal. The Amulet Titan-Tron matchup is a really interesting one. Because I feel that it can be quite play-draw dependent as well.
1: Yeah, it depends on how good the amulet titan player is. I've yeah, in the past, yeah, um, it's one of my favorite matchups as a tron player as well. I really enjoy it, um, especially if the amulet titan player knows what they're doing mm. and they're well seasoned. It is a really good. It's a good matchup for tron, but it's also a really fun matchup. It's one. Yeah. It's very, very nuanced.
0: Good stuff. Now. I'm going to take over for a minute because we're going to talk about bad matchups and there's <laughs> yeah, something that I like this one. yeah, there's something I realized yeah. recently and that is the majority of the decks that I enjoy playing in Modern are actually phenomenally bad matchups for Tron. So yep. let's start off with aggressive strategies. So the likes of Burn, Prowess, Infect. Basically any deck that can kill you before turn three is always going to be an issue generally speaking if you survive and get a current the great creator you go fetch a chalice and put it on one you're probably fine you know worm coil engine is definitely by far the best card in this matchup anytime I see a worm coil I am sad
1: yeah because again you have to two for one it because um, unless it's like a white deck like path to exile is not really a thing at the moment I Mm. don't think so a lot of people are playing prismatic ending instead Um, like you can throw colossus hammer into that equation as well because that like it's yeah. nuts hand, so it's just not so it's gonna kill you. Yeah. But I think that could be the same for a lot of decks, so not just Tron.
0: Yeah.
1: Um it's just so fast paced. Yeah. But yeah, Tron doesn't do well against aggressive decks at all.
0: Yeah. Just to just to be clear, when I said infect, I did actually mean hammer time, because it is an infect deck, like. Oh I'm it's, sorry, it's I didn't, just... didn't realise <laughs> hammers now
1: mono white infect. It, <laughs> okay. It, ba-
0: it basically <laughs> it basically is, yeah. Yeah, because it, it is, yeah. It just it just wins with ink moth, like most of the time. Yeah. So yeah. Um similarly Combo decks are really, really bad matchups. Uh one of my favorite matchups is Twiddlestorm versus Tron, because on your upkeep I'll just twiddle a land and then yeah. that time walks you and then I just get to combo off for like 10 minutes if i feel like it so
1: and i'll go and get a coffee yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Mine, mine's a mine's a flat white yeah all right um yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. <It's an> <laughs> um, yeah they're, they're really really hard to beat uh one of the better cyborg cards that i found for those kind of matchups ones that i don't want to see trinosphere is pretty good but however do watch out because there have been several times where someone has put a trinisphere into play and thought they were safe. And then on end step, I twiddle and tap it, which actually turns yeah. off trinisphere, And then I just go off anyway. Um, I've enraged a number of Tron players by doing that. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, Reading the card explains the card. Yeah, I'm just over here fighting the good fight. Don't <laughs> mind me. Uh, <laughs> mm, debatable. Um, like, like you mentioned earlier, land destruction is pretty bad too. Any sort of strategy that looks to focus on land destruction in particular uh, is going to be pretty rough so the likes of ponza. now thankfully ponza has kind of moved into more of a green red mid-range and has started to play less land destruction so it has gotten a significantly worse drawn matchup now but if someone is playing like you know i i refuse to change my deck from 2017 i'm still playing ponza then then you're probably in trouble yeah
1: Beam a ponza yeah yeah yeah, because the thing is with Ponza, yes, it has the land destruction. As I was mentioning mm. earlier, it has stuff like Clovis that can kind of... That's a clock to kill you, right? And stuff like Hex Drink is really good against you as well, especially if it's like completely leveled up. You can't yeah. deal with that. <laughs> like, like As you say, Ponza's not as popular anymore, mm. but with the rise of Tron, I would not be surprised to see Ponza and red like aggressive
0: decks come back Yeah, for sure. in some way. And then finally, again, depending on the, the player draw uh monograin tron might be a bad matchup for monograin tron
1: it's <laughs> one of the worst matchups ever and that's not just because i've played two tron mirrors in the last week <laughs> it's just not a good matchup it is die roll dependent basically yeah so it's whoever can assemble tron first and play Khan. yeah
0: it's pretty also much. pretty terrible to watch it's, it's one horrific. of the worst mirrors to watch <laughs> yeah because it's I'm, just like i, I've, I have my Karn, what are you gonna do i uh, scoop i guess like yeah (laughs) that's basically how the game goes
1: it's it's really rough it either goes that way or whoever gets khan grade creator first and gets liquid metal coating and then start blowing up lands or whoever gets the piffing needle to stop the opposing khan but then you have to be careful because you're piffing needle your own khan's as well it's just not fun i don't recommend it (laughs) if you can avoid it or possible please do
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right so there are the bad matchups now we have a couple of tips and tricks we're going to go through some here and then we have some very special more in-depth ones from emma available like we said on the patreon so it's patreon.com forward slash the emma why don't you start us off with the first one here
1: yeah so with khan the great creator not only can khan grab artifacts from your sideboard they can also grab it from exile if you own them mm-hmm. so for example you had an incenarion bridge in play against like a red deck um, they they blow it up with a Sharon spree something like that. It's in the graveyard, and then you go to exile your graveyard with Relic of Progenitus because you're worried about the Merktite region that's coming, um, and it's in exile. Um, with cards minus two, bit you can grab that ensnaring bridge from exile and yeah. put it into your hand. Uh, it's, a, it's it's something I don't see a lot of Tron players doing because I just think they see it as like a wishboard like a wish board thing. Mm-hmm. But you can get artifacts from exile. And put it into your hand this might be relevant if you like need an like you need your third tron landing you need to get the expedition map got exiled you can get it back into your hand and uh, get your last tron piece or whatever yeah
0: yeah this is also particularly relevant if you're facing anything that has prismatic ending because that exiles as well yes. so
1: yes that car's very good against chalice of the void
0: mm.
1: as i found out recently yeah
0: another little tip is you can trigger the sanctum of Ugin sacrifice clause uh, if you're casting a walking ballista for eight or more so like x yeah. equals four it may not come up that often but you know when it does it just means you can go get yourself another threat which is quite nice
1: yeah it's just uh it's just like because it's x on the stack mm. so it is is eight, and then you sack the sack the sanctum and then you can get like an ullamog for next time um walking blisters aren't as popular in tron at the moment but if you yep. tend to if you want to play a more blister heavy one it's just something to keep in mind mm-hmm. and there's no shame in getting your expedition ma- uh, get using your expedition map to get that sanctum rogue and to get that illamog as well is you're not completely leaning on to get in the tron lands yeah also with Khan Liberate liberate -3 um Khan can exile lands because it's just permanent so especially in, this comes up in the mirror a lot where you just exile tron lands yeah um just to get them off tron um, and also don't be afraid to plus four calm which is exile a card from a player's hand mm-hmm. and target yourself because you can prepare for that minus 14 which is restart the game with the exile cards in play mm-hmm. so if you think the game's going to go too long you can prepare for that over a couple of turns have like an ember the promised end underneath mm-hmm. and then you when you reset you have an ember in play so and so forth
0: or even better another little bonus trick is you can tick up Karn liberated, exile a worm coil from your hand, and then minus Karn the Great Creator and get it back into your hand. Yes. Oh.
1: Galaxy Brain.
0: Yeah, Galaxy Brain move right there. So
1: <laughs> it's like it's like past the parcel with Karn. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Karn playing past the parcel with himself. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, so-, <laughs> um, so if, by the way, you're anticipating land destruction, um, search for backup copies of Urza's Mine and Power Plant, because it can be easy to get all your towers and try and feel greedy, you know, because terror obviously when you have Tron it gives you more mana. Often opponents yeah. tend to go for the tower first because it generates the most. So try and get tower last or try and play tower last. Yeah. It's generally a good call.
1: That's just that's just something I've always done and yeah. it seems to go well. You do get players that will just target a Tron land. So like yeah, I always target the power plant just yeah. because I can. Not necessarily because it's the most effective thing. It's just because they want to be different. Um, but it's always, if you can, just play the tower last because that is your biggest mana sort of output. So you want to protect it the most. So this one might seem a really simple one, um, but this came off in FNM recently. So I think it's worth bringing up. Yabamaya um, Cradle of Growth makes all lands in play Forests, mm-hmm. including your opponents. Be mindful, as it may free up spells in your opponent's hand to use against you, such as Force of Vigor or Endurance. Mm-hmm. Also, is a good thing to keep in mind when you have a Sundering Titan and you're against non-green decks because, because as they're a forest, you can use it to blow it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was an instance at FNM last week where someone played a Yabamaya and I just had Tronlands, but I had like two Force of Vigors in hand. Mm. Um, yes, I could exile one of them to cast it, whatever, but I wanted to keep both because they were playing a lot of artifacts. So I used that to get rid of one of their threats sort of thing, but the fact that they played that Yabamaya really freed me up and I could like... Yeah blow up the o stone or whatever um so it's just something to keep in mind because it does target it does make all lands into forests Mm
0: -hmm. and when it comes to the likes of the chromatic sphere and chromatic star generally speaking try to avoid cracking them unless you have something to cast off of that green mana you know like an ancient stirrings or something sometimes you do just need to cycle them to try and find something because you're under pressure and when you crack them obviously nearly always name green unless I don't know, it's postboard and you have a dismember in hand and you don't want to lose life, so you name black maybe and mm. but for the most part, crack only when you need to use them, generally speaking. Yeah, yes. It
1: seems simple, but a lot of people I've seen people aggressively crack yeah. them just with, and they've got no backup. Um, but yeah. Another simple one, uh, Warping Well, which is seeing a lot of play in main boards mm. just because it does deal with prismatic ending. Um, it does counter sorceries. And it counters a lot of sorceries, mm. so it can, so it's great in the mirror because it counters the your opponent's sylvan scryings and ancient stirrings, which is really good because you want to kick them off Tron as much as possible. Um, it's really good against scapeshift because scapeshift's a sorcery, so it counters that. Mm. That's a good one. And then obviously you've got prismatic ending. Pitage is a good one. If you expect ponzo, you can counter that. It can be incidental ramp in a pinch. So if you're struggling, you can generate a scion. That's a colorless source. It may help you, you crack your expedition map, whatever. Um, and it can also be used as a blocker. Protect your Khan, protect your Ugin, protect your Khan, a great creator. And also, the Exile the for minus minus t- one toughness can be relevant because it, do- it can get rid of Ragavans, it can mm-hmm. get rid of um, Dragon Race Channelers, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a very versatile card. I think it's been one of the most underrated cards in Tron for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, it's really good that it's seen playing mainboards.
0: Yeah, for sure. There is another matchup that can be quite bad, and that is Mill because, you know, they run Surgical's Main and mill you, so they can just very easily sweep one of your lands out from your deck permanently. And if you're permanently taken off Tron, generally speaking, Tron Tron decks have like no more than like 19 lands in them. So you're already gonna be off of getting seven mana quickly. And you're also down like more than 25% of your mana base. So it can be risky. One thing to keep in mind is sideboarding something like Kozilek, Butcher of Truth, is a great way to avoid getting milled out because it means that they have to sandbag a surgical yeah. in order to deal with that. But if that is a little too pricey, something like Gaia's blessing, which is something I've put in sideboards in any color, even if you just can't yeah. cast it, because it's very, very effective at just preventing you from getting milled out. So you can run that as well if you're worried. Or if you, if you know at FNM there's like, oh, that mill player is coming back after, yeah. after lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So,
1: oh, also, I don't know a mill player that doesn't have a foiled out deck. Just on a side note, every mill player I know has a complete foiled out deck. I don't know if it's like Mm-mm. a rite of passage or it's just like coincidence, but yeah.
0: I, I was actually about to say that I had a non foiled mill deck, but the keyword there being had. So,
1: okay, all, all the mill
0: players you know may, yeah, probably still do have all foiled decks. So, yeah, yeah there they you got go. Like,
1: they're all <laughs> blinged out with like full Hedron crabs and all that, yeah. and it's just like wow. I just never said a non-foil mill deck so I don't think they exist mm. and lastly this one's a finance tip mm-hmm. if you're looking to pick up Tron um, so Double Masters back in I want to say it was last year like last, early last year last April something honestly.
0: like that I don't know it's still March like times whatever
1: are, t- t- times a <laughs> construct so Double Masters made Tron very very affordable as I mentioned earlier mm. with stuff like coil Engine uh, Khan Liberated P- Chromatic Stars even got reprinted which is really nice yeah. and the Tron lands all being accessible and affordable again um I recommend going with these versions because they are the cheapest. Um just your normal frame ones, none of the fancy stuff. Also, as I found out recently when picking up the last bits for Tron, etched foil Force Vigors from Modern Horizons 2 are cheaper than the normal bordered ones in Modern Horizons 1, the non-foil ones. I'm like indifferent on foils in like my constructed decks these days. I just want playable cards. Mm-hmm. So, if you're after Force Vigors, that might be a good line to go. Yeah.
0: What's funny is you're you're a little bit down on foils in certain circumstances. I'm a little bit up on foils in certain circumstances now. Are you? commander decks. Um, like but it's just so you easy. Need one. Yeah, like like for example, my Glation and Otago deck. I just replaced all the basics in there with like Magic Fest Mountains and Islands, oh, the, nice. the nice foil ones from the from the Magic yeah. Fest, and like it looks beautiful and it feels good. But like yeah, like you said, like I would not be putting them into constructed decks personally. I, but I
1: used to do it with constructed decks, but because once. God, you know, fingers crossed we have GPs again yeah. um, I would like to play competitively and I just want the most non-foil deck ever because yeah. obviously curling's a thing yeah. car quality for he's not been great with foils so I'm just like I just want the most plainest non-foil deck possible the flattest and with deck edge, yes the flattest <laughs> deck and edge fours are like half a foil so they don't really curl nowhere near as much yeah. as complete foils so I'm um, the competitive hat's on at the moment but that's something I have to respect yeah. once we can play again
0: for sure alright so We went slightly off topic there, but you know what? It wouldn't be an episode with me in it if it wasn't uh, going completely off the rails at some point, as I'm sure you heard and were not super happy with over the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, they were some of the tips and tricks for Tron. Uh, Emma very kindly put together a mulliganing with Tron and Karen Wishboard set of tips and tricks and strategy for, like we said, the Patreon so any patrons of patreon.com forward slash the Cast, you can head on over there and download that as pdf now and enjoy and that is it that is mono green tron and would you look at that we're, we're what like 30 minutes 35 minutes into the episode and we actually have the majority of things done yeah this this makes this makes for uh i
1: hope you i hope you're hearing angelo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is how you podcast
0: angelo she's by on way. to us she's on to us <laughs> Okay, let's try and actually get back on track. Uh, So, finally, Emma, Uh as is tradition, have you got any Q and A for us?
1: Well, we do have some Q and A this week. So, I'm Mm going to start off with Evie the Mage. They tweeted it in to say, "With the return of normal Emma, as opposed to budget Uh Emma, "Uh, the budget I found this week is Inquisition of Kozilek, sitting at a cool three dollars each on TCG Mm -hmm. Player. Good modern staple." I remember a time when they were like $10 each. Mm. So this is quite nice. Obviously you have, we're on about the mystical archive one. So the, nice, the fancy, yeah. the non-foil fancy one, the art, and that's quite nice mm. as well. And they also have a foodie question Ooh. for us. Um, what is your favorite toppings for a burger? Ooh, toppings for a burger. I'll
0: probably it's have difficult. a complex answer for this.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll answer first. Okay, sure. So cheese. Okay. Gotta have cheese. Um, not the rubbery, rubbish like actual cheese um tomatoes lettuce and just a bit of sauce i'm very very old-fashioned i'm very simple um no pickles because pickles are gross i don't want them near my burger at all um and sometimes i will go with like coleslaw if it's like a chicken burger like have it lathered in slaw that's quite
0: nice as well okay um i generally speaking like you you probably know i don't ever really have one favorite anything i normally have like three things and i'm like (laughs) I can't choose I can't choose decision paralysis my brain no so if, if someone was just like have a burger like the ideal thing for me would be like you know some some fried onions I am all about that rubbery cheese slice on top as Freddie Wong put it true burger heads know that this is the correct way to have a burger and okay.
1: I'm not a true burger head mm-hmm, got it
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Um when it comes to a chicken burger which is my personal favorite lettuce mayo Maybe cheese. Like, you don't really have to do a whole lot to make that really good. Uh, Hot Mm. hot sauces, generally, is real nice. There's a place near me, actually, that does a kiwi habanero hot sauce. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, so it's real sweet and tangy, but also very hot. It's really good. Yeah, Um, that sounds great. But if I had to choose anything, and it had to be a beef burger, it would probably be some brie, some caramelized red onion, and I'd probably... Forgo pickles in that scenario but generally speaking i would yeah. have pickles because you know i'm not ridiculous so
1: how dare you call me out on the <laughs> podcast it's my first week back <laughs> <laughs> um yes uh brie's a good one i quite like halloumi in a burger as well Good halloumi. you
0: know what actually so i just have to throw in there because you said halloumi uh, i'm actually a big fan of vegetable burgers as well not yeah, not same. not vegetarian burgers with we'll quote unquote where it's like you know fake meat and it's trying to imitate meat. Like if you want a vegetarian food and like you just put vegetables in it and make it taste real good by itself, like that is fantastic too. Yeah, um, big fan of that as well. So yeah,
1: yeah. I always find vegetarian stuff tastes better than the meat version. I mean, maybe that's me. Maybe it doesn't feel as you know as heavy and it's more freshly cooked. I don't know. But so in the UK mm. or in England. If you don't want to have fish, for example, and you're a yeah. vegetarian, instead of having like a battered cod, you would have battered halloumi, which is yeah. incredible. It's real good. Is, so I'm just going to eat Delicious.
0: What you touched on there with the sometimes vegetarian food or whatever c- can taste better. I've experienced that a lot as well. And I think it's because a lot of the time when you go to a lot of places that are, say, specifically vegetarian or vegan or whatever, they're innately really passionate about the food and, mm. and what they're doing and I think that comes across a lot of the time now, I'm not saying it's everywhere all the time but it comes across a lot more than in the average food place where it's not that you know because yeah. you could just have someone just being like you know I'm just here I'm just working my job I'm, I'm flipping the burgers and I'm making the food it's a living you know mm. there's very few places in comparison that would have like people that really properly care and put the same level yeah. in so I get that I get that it's the exact same here in Dublin
1: yeah um, so snap uh, Bolt Burrell asks, what are some recommendations for some budget drinking? Budget
0: drinking? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so
1: we're, t- we're turning into a foodie cast, apparently. Um, that would be coming soon. I don't really have any options for budget drinking unless you just want to drink beer. I guess my um, tidbit is something that I get from going to beer festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can always ask for a half pint, right, instead of a full pint. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously half pints are cheaper. Um, but what most people will often do is fill up more than the half pint so you get a half pint but you get slightly more beer than you would normally <laughs> so eventually you would just have more beer just from these half pints instead of paying a full pint and just getting a pint um that's something i used to do at beer festivals because i would try all these different beers have a half pint but they would do it like three quarters mm. instead so you you netted beer so you just <laughs> kept doing that. that that that's my trick yeah. i don't know if it applies here but that would
0: be my yeah. one I wonder how much more beneficial it would be because I know that some places we don't really we don't do half pints here they basically just don't exist. Um, mm. But I remember last time I was over in England and I saw a menu that the half pint was a little bit more than the cost of an mm. actual half of a pint.
1: Uh, okay. So
0: I don't know. I'm sure it's probably like a little beneficial, but would you be, would That's you like, be, would you be it's bothered like, going it's up been to the, yeah, yeah,
1: it's Min Maxin beer. <laughs> Yeah. It depends how you feel. Yeah. Um otherwise I'd just recommend just getting some like affordable, delicious beers, so Blue Moon is one that comes to mind that's quite cheap yeah. and quite tasty. I quite like a Blue Moon.
0: So I'm I feel like as, as the days go on, I'm less and less of a Knowledgeable person when it comes to drinking because to be perfectly honest, I basically just don't drink anymore. Um, no, you
1: don't, I'm carrying the load.
0: <laughs> my, my, re- what I realize, right, is that the things that I enjoy the most require me to be mentally sharp, and mm. generally speaking, they are the things that I will do with my friends, like play games or play magic or whichever. And mm. as soon as I imbibe even the slightest amount of alcohol, I'm like, ah, I can already feel like there's a light fuzz around the edges, and I'm already <laughs> not really paying as much attention or feeling as sharp as before. So like I've kind of just by that alone, that's what made me drink less because I'm like, no, I want to be able to focus and do stuff. And then I wake up after hanging out with my friends and be like, Oh, I'm feeling totally fine. I because I used to have really bad hangovers. I feel totally fine. I don't see any reason why I should just continue drinking. Now, obviously when I get to hang out with my friends and stuff again, I'm going to get destroyed out of principle. But
1: Yes correct
0: that's besides the point uh, budget drinking though um a lot of people like shandies um like shandies are good yeah like if you if you're um, drinking to enjoy like don't listen to anyone it you know what actually here's here's a tip if anyone tells you that it's like not manly to drink like a shandy or a you know a, a quote-unquote girly drink or something you have my full permission to roundhouse kick them in the jaw there you go and mine too yeah that's not on do it twice so, yeah <laughs> I guess my recommendations for budget drinking then would be actually, you know what? Get a cheap gin and get orange juice. Okay. Because I'm a big fan of gin and yeah. juice. I was saying this to Emma recently. Big fan of it. Generally pine speaking, push. the orange juice tends to be quite strong that you'll just cut out the flavor of the alcohol mm. anyway. So it's fine. Yeah, I'm
1: not big on gin.
0: I'm, I'm not on gin either. I'm not. G- I can't
1: get excited of a rotten pine juice. Like, I'll be honest. Um, this Serrano is quite good. that's quite cheap. like that's an amaretto that's quite cheap. amaretto's good. um, and mixing that mixing that with like cranberry juice is quite mm. good or orange juice is quite good yep. um and it's like it's a liqueur, so you get that nice almond hit, but it's not like doesn't taste like alcohol. yeah and no. um, they would be our recommendations, yeah
0: anyway, back to magic
1: uh- <laughs> yeah, back to so we've got a magic question next from the Jay Cheney um they ask on the bm cast discord. Mm-hmm mtg arena has hosted free drafts for the last two weeks as a recompensation for the delay in historic horizons mm-hmm. should free events be more of a regular thing whether that is weekly or monthly
0: yes absolutely 100 is yes
1: because mind my language for the second the economy is absolute horseshit so they need to do something about it and they need more people to get into the game
0: i mean economy aside if they want more people to play just be like free draft once a week
1: yes yeah.
0: that's it that's it you're getting people to log in to do the free draft it's the same as like oh. that stupid little thing in the store where it's like oh pay 400 gems to get 500 gems <laughs> and then everybody throws up yeah. the stonks meme as if like someone else hasn't done it 4,000 times already but like <laughs> come on like it, it's so simple it's so simple like just have one free draft a week like it could even be a phantom draft it's just the option is there to just it could be of
1: it could be anything. absolutely like- anything could be a bad format just yes yeah. make yeah it's just i don't get it i wish they would you know make it easier for
0: people or you know what you uh, know what even they could give every account uh, the ability to enter one event per week like uh, within a specific uh, type of event because you know the way there's like the standard events and then there's the historic events and there's yeah. the drafts and the quick drafts and this like pick one or two or the of those like different options i'd be like you can enter one of these per week people are going to log on and do it and they're going to stay on, yeah. and they're going to do some more stuff, and then they're going, to find they're going to play against someone with a cool deck, and then they're going to want to build that deck. and, and
1: That as well. It's, it might just encourage people to spend some money. That's I it. don't really want to promote the economy, but if you throw a bone, you'll probably get something back, right?
0: That's it. 100%. But, oh, well.
1: And, and then lastly, we have a question from Mickey P on Twitter. They ask, what are some of the budget cards you had high hopes for in a specific deck that may have not lived up to your expectations? This is a hard mm. one. I've got nothing. I've got
0: nothing here. This is a tough one. This is <laughs> this is a tough one. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's obviously been some. There's been a lot, um, but generally speaking, they're the they're the things that we kind of tend to discard during the deck building phase, mm. and there tends to be quite a few. Yeah, I I can't think of any off the top of my head. I think Soul Sisters in Modern. There's the oh what is the name of it it's abiding grace from That's mh2 it. yeah two and a white enchantment at the beginning of your end step choose one you gain one life or return target creature card with mana value one from your graveyard to the battlefield it felt fine um but mm-hmm. like three mana <laughs> i hate to use the term you know because it's as ubiquitous as dice removal now is like do nothing enchantment Um uh, the moment yeah. it enters the battlefield it. <sighs> it's just it's really not great um now don't don't get me wrong in the right build in like commander or something it's really sweet but it just doesn't feel like it does enough like sure it rebuys your martyr of sands or whatever but if that's all you're doing you're just not dying you're not winning you're not dying that's all so that's the Um, only one i can think of
1: soul sisters is already really good at not dying i don't think it needs more tools for that
0: yeah yeah it needs tools to win not not die
1: (laughs) exactly yeah, I can't think of one. One's not coming to mind for me. A lot of the time when we look at budget cards, we're not looking at cards that are, yeah, this is a, a, a budget take on this really expensive card. You have to build the deck differently. Yeah. So it's kind of a different mindset. It's not just like, oh yeah, here's a Tarmogoyf. I'm gonna use Poochage Releach instead. It's not that, not quite the same. It's a bit different. But yeah, I'm at a loss. I can't think of anything right now. Cause I'm thinking about beer, which is my problem. Cause there was a beer question.
0: I'm thinking about burgers. Thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Aleandro, Kilgore Trout503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, and Evil Vanilla Glaze. At the Stonks tier we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, a nice planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Beau Schwartz Madsen, and Mickey Paris. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you would like to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash DMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at Cast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.